It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. on on this busy Monday. It's a quick turnaround for the Texas basketball team tonight. It's uh, coming off a good weekend for the Texas baseball team, Texas softball team. Not a great weekend for the Texas men. They got drilled down in Houston. They've got to turn things around pretty quick tonight. Uh, absolute must-win game. It really is. I mean, they have uh, six games to go in the regular season, three at home, three on the road, and the three at home they have to win. Got to win. Uh, the road games are going to be tough. They have to go to Kansas and play at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. They have to go to Lubbock. They have to go to Waco and play the, the, the ranked Baylor Bears. The home games are tonight with K-State. They also have a Oklahoma State and an Oklahoma game all at Moody Center. They have to win all three of those, and that begins tonight uh, with the Wildcats in town. Both teams played Saturday, so it's a quick turnaround for both. Um, but uh, and then you know this is one where you you know it's a very even game. Both teams are sit five and seven in the conference. Both teams are you know fifteen sixteen wins on the regular season. They've both been up and down. Uh, but Texas comes in as a favored team. They're favored by eight and a half points, Ron. But you're at home, right? It's your home. They got to win this game. But they haven't been great at home, but at least you're at home. Yeah, this is one of those you lose it. I mean, it could really it really hurts bub- you. Your bubble issues right now, and they're not ranked, right? They're not ranked. So the next three opponents they have. Uh, one of them is one of the next one out of the next three is ranked. Is that Oklahoma? Is Oklahoma ranked? Uh, is Oklahoma ranked? Uh, yes. It, it depends on the week. I mean, they've been in and out of the top twenty-five. Okay. I mean, they were they haven't been higher than twenty. I don't think at this point. So yeah, with none if these opponents aren't ranked, you definitely got to win them. You you got to. I mean, the resume right now is bubblicious, and I think the Big Twelve, but the Big Twelve is helping them because if at least they'll get the benefit of the doubt in the Big Twelve. But uh, they got to fit the strong. Uh, well, Texas is favored tonight. It's an even game. This is a must win. And you, look, you, you got to get better play from your backcourt. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, the, the, the Houston backcourt just dominated Texas. I mean, you can, and that's, look, that's LJ Cryer. That's, uh, that's, that's Jamal Shedd. That's, that's an elite team. backcourt. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you can't get completely skunked. I mean, that, that can't happen. I mean, you, you, your guards have to play stronger with the ball. Um, you know, because, you know, it's college basketball, right? Guard play is going to be the, the determining factor. You have Dylan DeSue, so you have an absolute X factor who's a three-level scorer who can go in and out and, uh, and do a lot of damage. But your, your backcourt, you just can't get dominated to that extent uh, when you consider, you know, Tyrese Hunter and uh, Max Acemas. Max Acemas was two for 14 yeah. in he, that game. He was getting swatted, man. Scored seven points. Tyrese Hunter was three for nine and scored seven points. Uh, they, they combined for eight turnovers uh, in the basketball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just got completely dominated by L.J. Cryer and uh, Jamal Shedd. Those two combined to score, you know, 42 points and, uh, you know, take control of the basketball game. Jamal Shedd, that was a clinic in point guard play, which, again, he's a really good player. But you can't just get completely one-sided that way or it's not going to be a good game. Tonight, those guys have to bounce back and play good games. Yeah, uh, it's going to be about desperation because both of these squads will be pretty desperate. Uh, And Texas – um, right now, I just think they just haven't really found their 
still don't really have an identity offensively um, as a squad. And defensively, um, too many lapses defensively to this squad too. So they need to be more consistent. And uh, and it's on Coach Terry too because they didn't they didn't seem like they made many adjustments in that game versus U of H. I mean, I watched some of that game and it seemed like it was kind of the same game plan from the first meeting with U of H, which was good because you ended up you know forcing overtime and it was a close game. But this time, it looks like that was a a clear advantage uh, on U of H's side, not only with the personnel on the floor but also with the adjustments that were made during the game. Or lack thereof. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it, again, you, it, I, I know you can get on Rodney and the, the staff. Look, there was a point in the game where he put um, Zarek on Yemma in the game, which, you, you know, two, two quick turnovers. I mean, he, he he's just not – I don't know why he even gets on the floor. It's not to bash the guy. It's just he's not – every time he hits the floor, it becomes a problem for the team. But I know he's got to get guys rest. So he's trying to, to mix and match. But in the end, when your backcourt gets that dominated, there's not many adjustments you can make. Yeah. I mean, it's just really um, – That's fair. It's just and, – and you've got to give Houston a lot of credit because they're really a top-end backcourt. That's a team that win a national title. With that guard play, with that size – uh, I know their their shooting and their offense becomes the big question if they get up against a UConn because UConn and Purdue are the other top two teams in the country. But I think Houston can beat either of those teams in the right environment. Way to uh, defend the round. Uh, Texas for Texas, it's now about um, finding your way into the tournament and uh, you know getting because there aren't many backcourts that can throw that kind of physicality at you. I've told you this before that if you hadn't seen Houston play, you'll think some of those guys play on the football team. I mean, those <laughs> dudes are rocked up. I mean, they're those physical. guys are strong. They're physical. They and gosh, Kelvin Sampson has Kelvin Sampson has them playing with such an intensity. Their their effort on the defensive level is unbelievably strong, uh, and that's what Texas ran into. So they've got to be better tonight. This is one of those you know you kind of expected it to be a loss when you went down to Houston, right? And this is kind of the problem when you have your your three remaining road games against highly ranked teams. Can you steal one of them? That'd be great. But you got to win the home games. That's just point blank fact. You've got to win these home games. You got to beat K State tonight. We'll get a preview of the matchups here coming. But these are the games you have to win. This one, the Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. You do, Rod. You get to 19 wins on the regular season. In the Big can, 12, that'll get you in. And then you go to the Big 12 tournament. And remember, you want to stay out of the bottom four of the Big 12 tournament because if you play in the bottom, if you end up in the bottom four. That's why, because but these two teams are tied for ninth right like now. Play in, yeah. Well, you have to play on the first day of the you tournament. Play, yeah, yeah. You, you play yourself in. Yes. So, and you don't want to be in that spot. Now, you one win in the Big Twelve tournament will get you to twenty if you can win your three home games. Right now, were they tenth in the Big Twelve? I think there's something like that. Yeah, they're, they're they're tied for ninth. They're tied with K State. Both okay, teams are five and seven. Yeah. That's why this yeah. is a critical critical yeah. basketball game tonight. Yeah. It's big, uh, real big. And so this is a game you got to have. This is a game you got to have uh, if you're Texas. And you know, again, you're seven and a half point, eight and a half point favorite according to Vegas. And mm-hmm. so this will be one that will be scrutinized if they don't find a way to win it for sure. Uh, it's there for you. It's there for you because if you can get to 19 wins in regular season, one more win in the tournament at 20. You know, even with 11 losses or so, you're going to be in. You're going to be a, a yeah, big 7, 8, 9 seed, maybe, and, and you'll be in the tournament, which is, you know, at this point all you can ask for with your with Rodney Terry. Yeah, um, it's definitely not uh, – yeah, I mean, the Big 12 is just such a – it is such a brutal conference to be in um, when you're in a position like Texas where you've had to, you know, endure injuries early on and really just haven't really found your identity and groove as a team yet. Um, it's brutal night in and night out. There are no nights off in the Big 12. Um, this is as close as you get to a night off. It's going up against a hungry, desperate K-State squad who you're tied for ninth with at home. So, yeah, got to find a way to win it. Um, we'll see if uh, Rodney Terry can, and the squad can pull it out. They got to bounce back um, after a just an Old Testament-style butt whip it to U of H. I mean, that was ugly.
in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, ugly, ugly. Uh, it was better on the baseball diamond. Uh, you know, the, the teams that are rolling right now for Texas are the uh, – Texas women. Women's basketball, basketball team. And they're, they're, yeah, they're balling. I remember we played the Vic Schaefer sound when he was so mad at the performance of his team after they lost to Oklahoma and allowed 91 points and said, uh, we'll get this corrected, we'll get this fixed. And he did. I mean, they've, they're six in a row since that game. I mean, uh, that squad lost their best player and their best leader and still has recovered and shown what they're trying to true – uh, you know, fortitude is as a group. I mean, they, they've shown a tremendous amount of resilience. Yes. That was amazing. That was. And, and Coach, he, Coach Schaefer's, you know, coaching his tail off, and he appreciates his team. You know, Shea Holly, the, uh, the Westlake product, oh, played 40 man. minutes on Saturday. Yeah, Doesn't come off the floor. And the coach for, for Iowa State was just raving about he's the, 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 the leader of the Shea Holly fan club. Uh, you know, They've been tremendous, and so their schedule the rest of the way. They've got Texas Tech and UCF over the next uh, this week. Texas Tech is at home on Wednesday night. They got to win those games. Then they go to Norman uh, on the 28th of February. Rod, that becomes a massive game because Oklahoma is currently one game ahead of Texas in the Big 12 standings. Obviously, Texas is in the top five in the country. They're going to be a high seed in the tournament coming up. But as far as Big 12 championships, that Oklahoma game in three games from now, looms as a massive, massive game. And props real quick before we get to your rant, Rod, to the uh, Texas women's softball team. I don't know if you're paying attention to what they're doing, but they are off to an incredible start. They're 7-0. and Oh, well, I didn't realize that. And they've already beaten UCLA, a ranked team, in a blue blood program twice. Uh, they went to that West Coast swing and went undefeated. Then they were supposed to play a, a bunch of teams that are ranked this weekend. They played two of them Friday. They beat Tennessee 2-1. to one. The number two team in the country, Rod Tennessee, the Volunteers. Then they beat Stanford, the number nine team in the country, nine to two on Friday night. And they were supposed to play North Carolina, Kentucky, and Northwestern this weekend, but all three of those games got canceled in Clearwater, Florida, at that tournament they were playing in. Uh, canceled because of the weather that kind of washed out the Daytona 500, which we talked about. Yeah, they'll be back at home uh, for their own Lone Star Invitational this Friday. So get out and see them. They're off to. I mean, they're they've, they've beaten some heavy hitter and they've played some some dominant softball so far. So women's basketball, women's softball, baseball off to a two out of three start, which is good for uh, David Pierce. I like that ball club. I really like the, their makeup right now. I like the pitching this weekend, the defense, and uh, that top of that order, Rod. I mean, when you've got uh, Jer- Jared Thomas has a chance to be an All American caliber player. A kid from Waxahachie. He and Jalen Flores were the true freshmen who started last year, yeah. and now they're sophomores, and both had really impactful weekends. Jared Thomas is batting first. Jalen Flores is batting third. He hit the big grand slam on Friday night. Jared Thomas was on base all weekend. Peyton Powell uh, from the left side bats in between those guys. Really like the top three in the order. I think they're going to be very productive uh, this year. Then when you get the you know the Porter Brown, Will Gasparino, get the get get the guys behind there, get those bats going. This will be a really good offense. I think the pitching is going to be pretty good too. Uh, yeah, that Yeti uh, that Yeti yard's going to be hype. That Yeti section. <laughs> uh, they keep hitting grand slam home runs out there too. Um, all right, uh, let's get to the rant of the day. We got some sound we're going to get into from Michael Parsons' sit down interview with Stephen A. Smith, uh, and actually. Michael Parsons' suggestions for how Jerry Jones needs to build this uh, Cowboys defense. Let's get to it. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest. Would you have the three-minute? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. 
All right, so uh, Michael Parsons over the uh, the All-Star weekend. He got a chance to sit down with Stephen A. Smith. I'm assuming because Stephen A. Smith was coaching him in the Celebrity All-Star game, which, by the way, Michael won MVP, had 37 points uh, in that uh, All-Star game, actually ended up with uh, 16 rebounds and four steals, won the MVP, had a really good game. Also sat down with Stephen A. Smith, too, had a number of uh, different topics that they discussed. One of the clips – it's a little lengthy, but it's pretty good. He talks about his relationship with Jerry Jones and how, and whether you like this or not, Cowboys fans, how uh, close they are. And Jerry Jones, the, G- the general manager, Jerry Jones, um, that he also was open to the suggestions from Michael Parsons about how to build and how to construct the roster on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it's a little lengthy, but it's some good meat here on this bone. So here is Michael Parsons talking to Stephen A. Smith about um, his relationship with the owner slash GM of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones. You brought up how you want to be a part of the culture in terms of picking the kind of players that y'all need. Is that something that you mentioned to Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, like, Yo, let me, let me see. Let me play a role. At who, who are we bringing on this squad mentally? Do you do you approach them about stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I like about Jay. Um, and which I was dope. I think Jay's one of the best uh, GM like owners that I've been around, and not even just I've been around because I only been on one team. But from what I've heard from other uh, NBA and NFL players, and, and and it's just like this: the Super Bowl. Jerry sees me walking out the win. Jerry was at the win. He says, "Hey, you going to the Super Bowl?" I said, yeah, um, I'm going. He said, come come see us. And I was like, hey, you got any extra tickets? You know, I got some homeboys that want to come. Jerry sends me four extra tickets to the Super Bowl suite. Um, and we just sit and talk from before the game until the whole half about players I want to bring in, players I want to be around, who do I need, who do I want to be with, future of our team. Um, and that's just dope to have that type of feedback with an owner that, you know, loves – to hear your ideas and what you think and where the team can be. And, you know, Jerry's been, you know, pretty amazing about that with my family and stuff like that. So I've had had them conversations with him, and we spoke for two, three hours just since we were alone. When you told him what you thought the team needed, what did you say? I'm not asking for names. I'm talking about what you alluded to when it comes to culture, personality, et cetera. What specifically were your words to Jerry about what the Dallas Cowboys are missing? And what they need. So I told Jerry, I said, look at every team that kind of um, was in that Final Four. Who did they have? San Francisco, Detroit. Okay. Okay. Who did Baltimore have? A great linebacker core, right? Uh, who did San Fran have? Great linebacker core. KC, Bolton, and uh, uh, they came along. I said, we need to get us another. We need to get another bigger linebacker who's going to come down in. And I said we need to get a, a super three thirty nasty interior. Look what how Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave caused rag, havoc in, you know, um, the last two games. Okay. Uh, look at you know how um, Ali McNeil, Detroit, and they front with Hutchinson and all them. Um, you know, it's just certain things where I was like, I was pinpointing we can build in this because we're slim. Like, we have guys, and I think Osa's been great for us, and, uh, you know, but we just need a big old 330, can't move. Because I saw the way Chris Jones affected that Super Bowl, and I was like, my God. Like, you need a big boy. Get yeah. fast, and clogging up the line of scrimmage. Make yeah. things happen, right? and, and not even just Chris Jones, Mike Pennell. Oh, yeah. Like, 
You know, I think we got a lot of rushers. I think Osa, he could play inside, outside, one of the most versatile uh, DTs. And, um, you know, when we lost Hank, he was a, he's a big dude. Um, but we need to get one of them big old, nasty, pass rushing, get going. Marcus Lawrence. Okay, so that's interesting because what he talks about there is a big old nasty nose tackle that can be stout at the point of attack. They just drafted Mozzie Smith, who is essentially was supposed to be that. Now, Dan Quinn's vision, I think, was different. I think they wanted him to lose some weight so they can play him in multiple shades up front. But he was supposed to be just a old-school nose tackle. And they, they, I don't know, they put him on a diet and he lost weight or just he just never developed into that. He hadn't developed into it yet. All right, so that's strange that he wants a big old-school nose tackle. That's what they drafted in the first round in Mozzie Smith. And he wants a thumping linebacker to help him to be kind of a compliment to him at that off-ball linebacker spot when they put him there. I think most of that is due to, you know, Leighton Vander Esch is a run stuffer, especially in Dan Quinn's system. He was really successful. Remember they brought in a Jonathan Hankins to help them be kind of the run stuff and D-tackle. The, all the pieces that he's describing, the Cowboys have actually went out of their way to target those types of players. Now, DeMarvin Overshone, not a run-stuffing linebacker. He's more of a hybrid linebacker that's a, a pass-first in terms of his, his skill set, right? He can defend the pass-first. They can teach him to be a run-stuffing linebacker, but that's what the Cowboys were missing, so he's not wrong. It's just interesting that they drafted Mozzie Smith, and it seems like you know he either he's not happy with Mozzie Smith or he doesn't see Mozzie Smith developing into that. I wouldn't doubt... If that Mike Zimmer system coming in, though, that he does target a player like a Tavondre Sweat in the second round. Going after a D-tackle again in the first round, that seems a little bit ill-advised considering, you know, you got to give Mozzie Smith some time to work out. But I wouldn't doubt the Cowboys went for an old-school nasty nose tackle like that. Tavondre Sweat is probably the best example in the draft right now of one of those players he's describing that's just big enough has enough mass to take up multiple gaps on the front on the defensive line and can demand a double team and can switch up from being a force run defender to being an elite pressure defender if they can if he reaches his ceiling and maybe the Cowboys need to start stockpiling multiple players like that and maybe in Zimmer's system he's going to run more of a old school over front um, maybe that's exactly what the Cowboys need and honestly, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Zimmer does with Michael Parsons because Dan Quinn's system was perfect for weaponizing Michael Parsons because he was a hybrid and he would move him around that very multiple defense that was malleable. There's much less malleability um, and much, much less multiplicity within Zimmer's defense. And those are the kind of athletes that they have right now. So it's, it's just interesting that he brings it up. The, the truth is, Michael Parsons doesn't want to be a, run, a force run defender. He's got all the elite skills to be a elite run defender, as well as an elite, uh, you know, elite pressure uh, defender as well. But he doesn't value being a run defender, and that's why teams to to really adjust to the Cowboys. The simple adjustment is become a power running team like what Green Bay did, like what San Fran is, because they cannot – you basically turn Michael Parsons, their best defensive player, into a liability. He becomes a weakness yep. because he's not a good run defender, even though he could be an elite run defender because there's nothing stopping him from being an elite run defender except for him. And that's what I think ultimately this should be about, about him – 
looking at in the man in the mirror moment and looking at his own skill set and seeing how he needs to evolve his skill set. He's an elite pass rusher, but he's a mediocre to average to below average run defender. Yeah, and he clear. Remember, he told Dan Quinn, or he said he was going to be a pass rusher, and Dan was like, "No, you're you're still going to be the weapon." Yeah, and you can tell that's kind of what he wants his uh, his yep. role to be. Um, you, but again, I said this earlier, but you know when he's he's kind of calling out his own team, he kind of calls out his own GM because you're right, they just did, just drafted Mozzie Smith, they just drafted him, who's six three three thirty, exactly what he said. Uh, he's on your team right now. Trash. Um, I just, I mean, I wish that answer would have started with, "Look, I need to play a lot better." I need to bring it more. I need to be a better leader. All those things instead of starting to talk about what they don't have. Because, you you know, it, it, whether you're meaning to or not, you're, you're down-talking your own players, yeah. your own teammates. Because mm-hmm. um, we need better linebackers. Well, you have linebackers on your team. <laughs> so you're saying they're not any good. Uh, you know, you have Mozzie Smith and Hankins he talked about, and you have, uh, you know, O.C. Digazua. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure those guys here that aren't appreciative of, come on, man. Uh, we, yeah. we, we had a top five defense this year. We had a top three defense this year. We just didn't play good in one game. They do need a run stuffer. I don't disagree. I just uh, I think Micah talks too much. I just think Micah's out he, there talking too much. He does talk a lot. Yeah. But Jerry likes – that's the culture of Jerry Jones, though. Yes. Jerry Jones likes talkers. I know. Well, and then the idea of him yeah. sitting in the booth with Jerry talking during the Super Bowl, that's fine. Let's, let's hope Jerry's listening to his football people more than Micah Parsons. I think we can all see they need to stop the run better. So how do you address that? But but to to your point, I mean, they did draft Mozzie Smith. They drafted DeMarvion Overshone last year, uh, another guy that they didn't get anything from because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, you know that that's that's a challenge for them right now. But Micah Parsons, uh, you know, talking coming up, Brad. Uh, we're going to hear apparently Bart Scott, the always opinionated Bart Scott, was on the uh, oh yeah the Get Up show this morning on on First Take or ESPN, whatever it is, and he was uh, he's not a big fan of Micah Parsons. Apparently, we'll get to that coming up because he talks a lot. He talks a lot. It's, it's it's all about the mouthpiece. He talks a lot. Yeah, podcasts and. Uh, Remember during the season when Micah was talking about goes on his podcast about how how why do they get criticized so much? Man, just just shut up and play. Yeah, just shut up and play. Yeah. And and you can't to talk about other players when in the biggest game of the year against the Packers you had a, a tackle and a half yeah. and had zero impact on the game. He did not have an impact because well, they ran the ball. Yeah, the way you make him an uh, an impactless player is to for, make him a run defender. Well, then then that's what he look. I need to be better against the run, Stephen A. I need to make sure from the point of attack, I'm doing my job to stop the run, and then, then we need X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I get that, but yes, I mean in the game where you guys gave up 48 points on your home field against the yeah. the seven seed. Yeah. And you had no impact on the game. Don't sit here and talk about Chris Jones. Yeah, he has impact on every big game game. Yes, he does. He yeah, has minute, a game wait record. A minute, wait a minute. Did you say shut up and dribble? Is that what you just said? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, well, he's well, he's talking about how Micah. Micah does talk a lot. He does. Micah talks a, a lot. And it's good for him and it's good for the brand. The Cowboys don't mind it at all. But you could, there are times where you could argue that he's not always backing it up. That. You know what I mean? And that, that Green Bay game, that's a prime example of it. All right, we'll come back. We'll hear Bart Scott, his retort or conversation about uh, Mr. Parsons. And uh, we'll also get uh, more thoughts on, uh, from Rod on uh, the, the free agency coming in the NFL. We've got to get that. And before the end of the hour, some who said that? Who said Everyone that? Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Oh, man, you're going to at least bound it down. I like it. All right, so it's uh, 
a busy Monday. Hook them up with E and Rod B. Talking Cowboys. Obviously, we're now uh, three weeks to free agency in the NFL. Uh, tomorrow begins the opportunity to franchise tag and transition tag players in the National Football League. And uh, obviously, the Cowboys probably working on a Micah Parsons contract. Big picture, Rod. Yeah. Uh, at least well, get start Dak, those conversations. The Dak deal's got to get done first. Got to get Dak done. And, uh, Otherwise, they won't be under the cap. Gotta, yeah, they got to figure that out. Fifty nine and a half million. Yeah. And you remember back in the summer when Zach Martin was holding out, it was Jerry Jones who said, uh, "We can't. We got to pay Micah. Micah's <laughs> money. Pay Micah. Micah's money, man. Yeah. You talking about? Yeah, but Zach got his. Zach got his money, and he's now the third highest cap hit to the Cowboys this, or second highest cap hit to the Cowboys this coming season. Yep. Uh, so he got his bag, and now they got to figure it out. But I wanted to play this for you, Rod, because uh, Brock and you have this ready. We were talking about Micah Parsons talking to Stephen A. Smith over the weekend at the NBA All Star Weekend. Uh, Bart Scott, uh, the former New York Jets linebacker, he was on the ESPN show, I think, Get Up this morning or First Take, whichever one it was, and had this to say about uh, fellow linebacker Micah Parsons. Or maybe not. He had an right, issue well. with DeMarcus Lawrence saying that the team might have been a little fatigued when they took on Green Bay, and that he said, hey, look, we're the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody plays us. It's like the Super Bowl. What does that mean? It's the playoffs. Everybody playing hard in the playoffs. This is what I don't understand. Attitude reflect leadership, right? Attitude reflect leadership. Mm-hmm. Who's the leader on that team? They, they don't have one. Let's be honest. Well, it, is it my, that. Are, are you, are you going to pay? No, 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 bro. I'm talking on that defensive side because that's who didn't show up. Like, I don't expect Dak to get in defensive player's face and say not today. If you're going to be that generational player, if you're going to be that Lawrence Taylor player, like, listen, I played around great players that, you know, Michael Parsons is supposed to be that. Ray Lewis ain't letting no team show up and, put, and, and lay no dud. Ed Reed ain't letting no team show up and lay no dud. Darrell Reeves ain't showing up letting nobody play no, lay no dud. He's going to perform and play with such an energy that's going to make everybody else play. So that's what I'm talking about. He's lacking leadership, right? He doesn't understand what winning in this league is all about. Is he a great player? Yes. But just because you're a great player don't mean you're a great leader. He needs to go to a leadership school and learn how to lead by example and quit talking so much and being so damn sensitive. You're a linebacker. That's supposed to be a tough guy spot. He's the most sensitive guy I've ever seen. He responds to everything. Get off of social media. Quit tweeting. Quit talking about responding and go about your business, man. That's how you change the culture. That's why Emmett Smith came out and had something to say. That was directly to you, bro. So instead of responding to what uh, Lawrence said, respond to what Emmett Smith said and maybe sit down with guys that know what winning is about in this league. All right, there we wow. go. Yeah, Bart Scott, strong man. this morning. So he's sensitive to everything. He, d- I will say that he didn't respond to. Remember the uh, there was a there was so there was a lot of talk about Je- was it Jesse Holly I believe it was remember he had the comment about Michael being selfish a selfish player and I thought those were woo those were some sharp comments and I thought you know that may have been coming from somebody inside the organization it's very for, very pointed yes for for Jesse Holly to come out and be so adamant about you know basically a character flaw I mean pointing out that basically a, uh, basically criticizing the football character of Michael Parsons and he he brought up examples <laughs> like he doesn't you know have players at the house um and he doesn't you know he doesn't watch film with the players like he was getting very specific about some things uh micah didn't respond to that though micah he, he could have and he didn't that was probably the harshest criticism i've heard from micah so he didn't respond to everything 
But I, you know, he does. He has his own podcast, man. So he talks a lot. He talks a lot. He, talks and, a lot uh, him, he was know? one of the center figures for the the All Star weekend this weekend too, playing in that game yeah. and uh, sitting down with Stephen A. And that's what Jerry wants, by the way, guys. I know y'all don't like it, but Jerry likes that. Yeah, that's 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 considered added value for Jerry. Jerry wants to face his own his franchise to be out there publicly promoting the Cowboys brand and their own brand. Well, it's, it's been part of the problem for the last few, yeah. few, few decades. Can we play this? Because you heard part, Bart Scott allude to listen to what Emmett Smith had to say. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. This is a good cut from the, the great Emmett Smith uh, talking about his frustrations with uh, this team and kind of Micah Parsons that they just don't get what it takes to go where they say they want to go. All right, there we go. Uh, Emmett Smith with uh, frustrations with his team. And uh, you hear it from Michael Irvin now. Yeah. <laughs> You're hearing it from uh, Troy Aikman. They all see the issue, and uh, the players are still talking. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, he's not wrong about the stuff that he's talking about. I think, uh, you know, the culture of the Cowboys has just been a toxic culture, and unfortunately for Cowboys fans, there's been one common denominator that's been there the entire time. And – I think the to me the most disturbing thing about Jerry Jones because Jerry Jones is a brilliant businessman and he's turned the Cowboys brand into the the biggest sports brand in America. I mean, and in one in the world, in one of the biggest sports brands in the world, and one of the most valuable um, because he's a great businessman, a great marketing mind. Jerry Jerry Jones knows exactly what it takes to win the Super Bowl. He does. Because he's done it, and he's hired coaches that have gotten the Cowboys on that Super Bowl track, all right, to be a contender. He just wants to win it his way so badly that he's actually willing to sacrifice a championship so he can win it his way. Yep, that's been the oh, ongoing conversation. He but, knows what it takes. He's yeah. done it already. He just he, he didn't like it that way. <laughs> he didn't like that wasn't enjoyable. That wasn't satis- it, it wasn't. He didn't get the satisfaction out of it that he wanted. The satisfaction will come when he can win it his way. Yes, if he ever. I don't think will. he will. Exactly. I'm not walking to Dallas as long as that's his mo. Yeah. Because yeah. like even when he handed it off to Bill Parcells and gave up most control, it was getting better. It was getting there. And it was getting it, there. Then they couldn't sustain because yeah. uh, Bill Parcells wasn't having it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's a vicious cycle. But, uh, yeah, frustrating for Cowboys fans for sure. It's just the ongoing conversation. All right, so we've got uh, Cowboys on the brain. We'll, we'll keep you posted as far as you know, key free agents. and. Uh, oh, yeah, apparently, like, uh, there's some stuff brewing down in uh, Tampa with Mike Evans because uh, there apparently there was a soft deadline to get an extension done with Mike Evans. Both sides remained far apart, it says. So Tampa is set to take on the $7.4 million in 2024 in dead money by not getting a deal done today, and a lot of people believe they didn't get a deal done today, that he would indeed become a free agent. Mike Evans would. So Mike Evans may end up being a free agent too. That'd be big. That'd be I, big. I mean, you, Kansas City needs receivers. He might be one of well, them. And you kind of feel Ooh. like after 10 years of 1,000 yards or more that you know he'd be looking hunting for a ring. Yeah, uh, exactly right. He seems like he's at that point in his career. I yeah, agree. And like it's not going to be about – he wants one big, one more nice contract, but at the same time, we're going to go win – uh, because, you know, Houston would be a spot, too, just because of the rise of C.J. Stroud. But at the same time, he's from Galveston. He is from Galveston. Uh, they yep. need a, a receiver to play opposite Nico Collins down there and, uh, you know, with Tank mm-hmm. Dell. Uh, but, yeah, Kansas City, man, how would you – talk about ring chasing. They, didn't, they <laughs> I mean, that's their number one need right now is wide receiver. They need help with wide receiver. I don't know what kind of discount he'd give them, but if he gives them the right discount, that would be scary. Yeah. That would be scary. Uh-oh, we got breaking news from Brock back at the home headquarters. What do we have, Brock? 
The Brooklyn Nets have just fired their head coach, Jack Vaughn. Damn, that was fast. I know. That was really if you would fast. ask me at any point Good of this Lord. show who is the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, I would not have known the answer. <laughs> he hasn't been there. That, let me go check. How long has he been there? I don't know if he's been there. To, I mean, it's the NBA, so I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, I need to play some audio for this. Hang on. Oh, man. Let okay. me see. Yeah. I got to check this out. Uh, see how long he's been there. Uh, he got to Brooklyn in, as a coach. He got to Brooklyn in 2022. So he's been there two years. Yes. And again, <laughs> Barely two years. If Rod, if Rod Babers, if you had asked me at any point since 6 a.m. till now who the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets is, I would not have known. Wow. So sorry about that. Yeah, and he not, not up in my Brooklyn Nets basketball. Well, he basically came up through the organization. He was, he's been an assistant and been with the Nets in some form or fashion since 2016. Yeah. So he's with them as a, a Brooklyn Nets assistant in 2016. Um, and then he was an interim coach uh, at one point in 2020 when they went through a coaching change, went back to being an assistant, and then was recently promoted to head coach a couple of years ago. All right, I got but, that audio. What do we have, it? Brock? Hit us. You following your day off? That's, that's as much <laughs> of that clip as I could play. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get us in trouble. You don't want to get fired yourself on in your day off. Yeah, he it's fired on his day off. He did get fired well, on his day off. Yeah. If you're going to make a change in the NBA, do it right now because they're not playing until Thursday. I mean, they've got the all-star break off. Well, and Brooklyn, I mean, they, that organization has no idea what direction they're, they're going in right now. Uh, they don't. They just, yeah. They thought they had, uh, you know, that they were building kind of a a super team and all star roster, and things kind of fell apart for yeah, him. That did not work. Yeah, yeah I love Kevin Durant, Longhorn legend. He ruined that franchise, ran yeah. it into the ground like single handedly. Yeah, because KD and KD probably wouldn't admit it, but KD's not a he's not a leader. Yeah, he's not a he's just not he, he's a follower, and he doesn't want to be one. More, and he wants to be liked, and, and he yeah, wants to be liked. And yeah. leaders, you know, it's hard to be a leader if you want to be liked. It's yeah, like Charles Barkley, to, kind of. Uh, Barkley was more of a leader than Durant. That, that's for yes, sure. Barkley's more of a leader than Durant. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've heard Kobe Bryant speak on the matter many times. The late great Kobe Bryant. I mean, if, you, if you're going to be a real leader, like like Emmett Smith just talked about, you know, you you're not going to be liked all it's the confrontational. time. Confrontational. It's confrontational. Yeah. It's demanding. Yep. Uh, you you got to hold your peers accountable. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and you can't be the get along guy all the time. If you're if you're and Kevin Durant, that's kind of him. That's not it's like this who his personality is. Yeah. It's always been that way. Yep. Uh, he wants to be liked. He wants to be, uh, you know, people's buddy. Um, you know, but you know, it's not doesn't, you know, minimize what a great player he is. But at the same time, it doesn't translate the championships it because translate. you need your best which, players which, to want to be the leaders. Yes, <laughs> to which, lead. Which, um, <laughs> which you know, it, it'll minimize his legacy, big picture of where he ranks as an all-time player. But it's just his personality. I mean, we knew that when he went to Golden State. I mean. People still – he won championships there. He had three great finals. Yeah, but I mean, he had leaders there. And he had leaders. He didn't have to right. be a leader. He just had to score the basketball. Yeah, he didn't have to be a leader. They had lots of leaders. Draymond Green's a leader. Steph's a leader. He had lots of leadership But there. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like it in sports when you lose to a team, you know, hard-fought series, knock you out of the playoffs, and then you go sign with that team. I mean, the, 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 the tradition of sports is you come back next year better and try to go beat them, right? You've got to take them down. It's like, you know, the Astros and Rangers now in baseball are going to be going back and forth. They want this damn this, yeah. this division. They want to, you know, knock the other out. I mean, that, but you, he went to the opponent that just knocked them out and uh, then won championships. So, and, and then subsequently has not been able to build uh, a championship roster around him 
you know, whatever we think of LeBron, LeBron was able to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, win in, in multiple spots now. And that, that secures legacy uh, as far as that goes. Uh, all right, Rod, uh, thanks for the breaking news there, Brock. We'll get some who said that coming up. Who said that? Also, your franchise tag possibilities starting tomorrow, Rod, include T. Higgins in Cincinnati, Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants, Josh Jacobs with the Vegas Raiders, Baker Mayfield. Baker, the, Baker. I wonder if Baker Mayfield is coming off his, one of his best, his best year. Yeah. I mean, you could argue, right? You could argue that was Baker Mayfield's best year as a pro. Yeah, well, I think it was. I think won a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canales and did a great job. I mean, he, you know, they're gonna have to pay him, but at the same time, is he still a bridge quarterback? It's kind of like Geno Smith with the, uh, yes. the Seahawks a year ago. Yeah. Is he a bridge guy or is he the V guy? Because Baker Mayfield's still only twenty eight years old. A lot I mean, higher ceiling. I, yeah, with Jared Goff, he, I mean, he became a he went from a bridge to a franchise guy, back to a franchise. You're guy. right. So can Baker do it? I don't know. Right, that's a great question. It is. And now losing Mike Evans would hurt as far as that goes. Oh, that would be devastating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as steps backs go. On the defensive side of the ball, best players are Josh Allen, the Jaguars pass rusher, not the quarterback in Buffalo, but Josh Allen, 17 sacks last year. Uh, that guy, he, they'll, they'll tag him. He will not hit the open market. Brian Burns in Carolina is one of the better unknown pass rushers. Oh, I think yeah, we never see Carolina. Player. He's a good player. He's a real good player. And uh, former Texas A&M star Justin Matabike has a chance to uh, hit the market, but he'll likely get a deal done with the Ravens, or they will tag him. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we go, uh, who said that, Rod? Who said Into that? the fabulous fifth hour. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby. Hook him up with Ian Rodby rolls on. Coming up, it's the fabulous fifth hour on the uh, other side of the top of the hour timeout. We're talking Texas basketball. Huge game tonight. If you want to be a tournament team, NCAA tournament team, and stay out of the uh, play-in game in the Big 12 tournament, better win tonight. You better win. You better beat the Wildcats. We'll preview that game coming up. Also, Rod, coming up, we uh, talked last week about the uh, the incredible – Kelsey brothers and their relationship with Andy Reid and how it all intertwines as far as college oh, yeah. careers and the draft. We'll let you hear because uh, the Kelseys actually sat down with Andy Reid and it's pretty oh, good, good conversation. We'll play that coming up, uh, talking about uh, how how it all came to be that uh, both cool. the Kelseys who are off to the uh, to the Hall of Fame were both drafted by the Hall of Fame coach Andy Reid. I think the art of dunking is like is dope. So we'll get that coming up. But it's time for some. Who said that, Rob? Who's my bad. That? All right, to go for it, Rob. What do you have? What do you have to play for me, my uh, friend? I sent uh, my man Brock a bunch of clips, so you can dial any of them up, Brock, and we can play. Who said that? I'll play the one that just fired off. That'll be easiest. There we go. I think the art of dunking is like is dope, and it always has been from the early days until now. So, I, I, it's, 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 it sucks to see like the abandonment of like the dunk contest. I think it's an art form. So, you know, for me, it's like you know, it's about the show. It's about the lead-up, the build-up. I think appreciate, people will appreciate kind of some of the stuff I'll do tonight once it gets slowed down, once you see the replay. Um, but I think dunking is an art form. And, you know, when it comes to dunking on somebody, I don't, it's not a lot of people who played this game, I feel like, who's done it better than I have. So um, I want to just keep getting better, keep doing it. Who said that? I don't know that voice, Rod Babers. That would be one Jalen Brown, the only all-star that participated in the dunk contest. Actually. And didn't win because Mac McClung out of the G League. you damn right. Jumped over Shaq. Two-time winner, baby. 
That is pretty impressive, a white boy jumping over Shaq. White man can jump. <laughs> Seriously. Get it right. It's pretty ironic, though, that that came from Jalen Brown after he had maybe the worst dunk attempt I've ever seen in the in the dunk contest. It was pretty bad. You saw it? It was terrible. Oh. Yeah, well, he, he had a bad one. Yeah, oh. it was, it was, yeah, this is the best dunker of all time. Is it Vince Carter? In-game dunker? Oh, are we yeah. talking about just dunker? In-game dunker is definitely Vince. BC. Because he in game like in game dunks, Doctor J, him, Doctor J, Sean Kemp, Rain Man, Jordan. was a great in game dunker. Jordan, of course, Dominique Wilkins, yeah, Neek was great. Uh, but VC man would go over top of people. Uh, okay, uh, by the way, the young guy Anthony Edwards in Minnesota is, yeah, he needs to get himself in a dunk contest. But you know the stars don't do it. The stars don't do it. That's, I blame I blame LeBron for that. LeBron, if LeBron would have done the dunk contest early on in his career, he definitely would have won because he was a freak. Um, more young. Great players would have been inspired to do it, too, as a rite of passage. He passed on it, and now all the stars feel like it's no longer a rite of passage, no longer an it event. Yeah, the fact that Ja Morant is not in the dunk contest is a shame. Well, he's hurt now, right? Yeah, he's hurt now, but even before that, he should have been. He should have felt obligated to do it, like MJ felt after Dr. J and Kobe felt, and they were. It was a rite of passage. They were passing up the torch, and LeBron basically took the torch and blew it the hell out. He did. He never. He never won. He never. He passed on it, and, that, and every player after that felt like, oh, it's not. It's not a cool event anymore. All right, listen to this, Rod. Who said this? This was on our radio station actually late last week, talking about a uh, a hot prospect on the quarterback market in the NFL. We'll uh, play a little. Who said that? Is J.J. McCarthy the quarterback that after the initial three, everyone's going to try to move up for? I think the 2024 NFL draft revolves around J.J. McCarthy. There are so many teams that – need a quarterback that are not going to be able to supplement those needs the way you maybe want to in free agency. And you have him ahead of Penix, right? Yes. Yeah. I have him ahead of Penix. I feel like the NFL is going to be a lot lower on Penix than the media is. You have him ahead of Bo Nix. Nix is somebody who we've got to figure out more information on and how the league sees him because he is fascinating of a player. You watch him at Auburn and this is not an NFL draft caliber quarterback. He goes over to Oregon and, you could use the excuse about Oregon's offense and, um, you know, the, the, how the competition level is not as strong as it was in the SEC, but this is a different dude. I think the league is going to be higher on McCarthy because McCarthy coming out just a true junior, one of the youngest prospects in the class. So I ultimately do think that he is going to be drafted ahead of Knicks. But like I said, I think he's the ultimate wild card because does he go six? Because where that next quarterback goes off the board, then all of a sudden the teams that didn't get the quarterbacks, they become – Less desperate, right? They're not try. They're not making calls every single pick, trying to get up all that. It's not as chaotic. But as long as JJ McCarthy is on the board and not picked by a team, I think it's going to be chaotic. I think the phones are going to be ringing off the hook. <laughs> wow, how about that? That is. Uh, do you get any guess who that, that is? is? Yeah, that is NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, Trevor Sikama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sikama. I know his work. How about uh, how about that? JJ McCarthy will be the. <laughs> The key figure and the key element of the 2024 draft. Uh, I mean, he's ri- he's rising up draft boards right now. A lot of people have him ahead of Bo Nix now already, and that that you know the top three: Caleb Williams. Now Jaden Daniels seems to be taking the second spot for a lot of people. Then Drake May. They'll go back and forth depending on how much film people are watching. Um, and then after him, Michael Penix. But hell, JJ McCarthy could catch Penix. At this point, he could depending on how much teams like him. So that's interesting. That is interesting. 
Uh, and remember, it was Jim Harbaugh. We played his sound from the Colin Cowherd show. He thinks he's going to end up being the one overall quarterback when it's all said and done. Yep. I don't think that'll happen. But uh, I think, you know, I think Harbaugh does know and realize, you know, we, we – we we played very conservatively offensively this year and asked him to just not be a game manager. Yeah. And but he's got more skill than that. Like if we needed him to, if we had needed him to win games for us, he could have. We just didn't need him to. We were so it. good everywhere else. One with the lines of scrimmage everywhere. Yep, and the number one defense in the country. All right, Rod. Uh, what else do you have for me? Uh, all right, Rock. You can uh, dial any of the clips up. I sent you. We can play. Who said that? All right, this is a two-parter. So I'm gonna play this one and then the second one short. It's from the same interview though. Okay. Nikola Jokic. Against him. <laughs> He's good. He's yeah. good, right? He's good. I mean, there's so many great centers over the history of our game. Uh-huh. Man, is he good. I just hope he stays healthy and able to continue to do what he does because he is fun to watch. Uh-huh. Probably yeah. more so than by the league. It used to be that when the Golden State was healthy, they were really fun to watch. Now I've switched over. Denver. He makes that whole thing go. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't he be fun to play with? Oh, man. All right, part two. I tell people, quit whining about LeBron. Enjoy him while he's here. He, he's unbelievable. I mean, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever. Ooh, who said that? Is that uh, Larry Bird? That is Larry Bird, the wow. hick from French Lick. Larry Legend. Uh, Larry, yeah. Greatest trash talker, too, in NBA history. People don't know that. Actually. Oh, greatest he, trash he's, talker. He's known, actually, as the greatest trash talker in NBA history. I listened to that Gary Patterson interview. Not Gary Patterson. Gary Payton interview. Um, and he was saying, he's like, oh, no, Larry Bird's the greatest trash talker in the history of the NBA, and it's not even close. So people don't know that. They don't give him enough props for that, but. Great oh, he was talking. a – you want to talk about intensity. That dude. Oh, man. That's, that, that was some of my favorite parts of that uh, Showtime Lakers series on HBO. Man. The actor that played Larry Bird. Man. I mean, they did a good job of casting him. The and, from French League, baby. And, and, you know, I thought they did a great job of documenting how, you know, Magic and Larry were, were you know, joined together by their, yep. their college greatness mm-hmm. and then their pro, pro rivalry. Their legacy is tied together. And, and, yeah. But they really – they respected each other, but they didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. They did not like each other. Yeah, but that's that. We just talked about that. That was the culture of the old uh, NBA. No. Culture of the old NBA oh, was: big time. I have a rival. You have an arch nemesis, and I don't. I do not like them. Yeah, we don't hang out in the off season. I really don't like their disposition. I don't even like the person they are. That was a genuine angst and like genuine competitive hatred for your opponent. That doesn't exist in today's NBA. Not at As all. As a matter of fact, Kobe used to always remark that he used to try to talk trash to LeBron, and LeBron would never talk trash back to him. Because it was like reverence, and LeBron would almost look at him in a, like he was joking and almost kind of mock his trash talk, and he would not reciprocate it. And Kobe was like, <laughs> man, these youngsters, they're just, they're just different. Because t- Kobe grew up talking trash to that old school regime. He was, kind of, he was more old school than new school, and the new school guys, they don't talk trash like that either. They don't. Like it was a, you know what I mean? Like even, the, your trash talkers now are instigators. They're not even superstars. Right? They're like, they're like some of the annoying. They're like Draymond Green to the world. He's a star, but you know what I mean? Your superstars used to be your main trash talkers back in the day. Your Kobe's, your MJ's, your Larry Bird. Now, that's not the case. Yeah, now yeah. I feel like you have a guy on the roster specifically to just, like, talk trash. Like yeah, what's the guy Brooks? Or, what's his yeah. name? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're instigators. They're not, they're not trash talkers. No, they're just – so it's, it's just a different league. Or who's different that guy league. with the podcast? Uh, Patrick Beverly. Oh, exactly. Great one. Ooh. That's a great example. Yeah. Great example. Well, 
uh, it does diminish the league in a big way for me as far as those rivalries because I, I you know th- 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 there have been other sports criticized for that but there's you know there's still rivalries in football there's still you know oh yeah uh, the pettiness is is for for real oh, in the NFL real. yeah it is uh, Jim Harbaugh brings it back baby <laughs> I mean, that was I mean that was one of the seminal interesting fig facts of the of the NBA was the challenge to get up over your rival to to take down your rival for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson it was the back and forth you oh, know year man. after year and you you also had a rival between Jerry Buss and uh and uh oh, man uh gosh what's his name in, in Boston Red Arbach. Yeah. You had a heated rival between the two architects of the teams, for crying out loud. MJ Larry Bird. And the bad, MJ Patrick, against the bad Pat Riley. Boys. Pat MJ, Riley wow. was legendary. It was great. But, yes, and, of course, Jordan had his with trying to get over the Pistons. And uh, it, just, it really has changed. And I do think it's – I think it's hurt the league. I think it's one of the – as I mentioned, the NBA All-Star game in 1993 had 25 million viewers. The NBA All-Star game yesterday, probably lucky to get to 4 million. Yeah. So it's a it's a diminished product, uh, and those rivalries are big. And you said it not you know the stars not doing the dunk contest, um, the rivalry's not there. They don't even care. I mean they scored two hundred eleven points in the basketball game. No defense. Like, the defense was not even defense considered. Is, defense is effort. Yeah, which means there's no effort. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we said off the top, as, as Scott Van Pelt eloquently tweeted briefly, uh, you know what guys, it's this simple. If you don't seem to care, I don't seem to care. And why would I change the channel? All right, we'll be back. When we do, it is the fabulous fifth hour. We'll hear that uh, Kelsey audio talking to Andy Reid, telling the story of uh, uh, the Reeds and uh, how Andy Reid drafted both players. Pretty good stuff. Uh, football on the brain for sure because it never stops. We've also got basketball. We've got baseball with the Longhorns off to a two-out-of-three start. We've got a lot to do. Talk about with Ian Rodby.